today on Ag News Day. Well, I'm just afraid it's going to get late and we'll be cutting maturities again. And yeah, it's going to be cold soils and more problems. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, joined by Delaney Hell for this Friday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney, how are you doing today? Um, not too bad, Mike. How are you? How was your trip? You know, it was a lot of fun. Got up there to South Dakota, spent uh, the first night in Sioux Falls, spoke with a bunch of growers there at Maury's Steakhouse, had an incredible 14-ounce ribeye and a gigantic baked potato. It was ideal. Then uh, last night, we went up, uh, to, well, not too far from Sisseton, uh, South Dakota is where we were, and again, had fantastic beef. This time, it was brisket, um, as well as baked beans, kind of a full barbecue, talked to about uh, 50 growers who uh, buy seed from a guy by the name of Rennie Tank, who we'll be talking to for today's interview. All in all, it was an exciting trip to Lane, but the most excitement happened on our way from Sisseton, South Dakota, down to Watertown to catch our flight back to Chicago. Okay, tell me more. So, it's South Dakota, of course. I know a lot of our listeners are up there in South Dakota. This is not news to them. But in South Dakota, they get snow in the wintertime. And in South Dakota, once it snows, they also get wind. And there's not a lot in South Dakota to stop that wind once it starts moving. So Ted was driving a rented Jeep Wrangler, and we were on Interstate 29 southbound doing the speed limit, as always. And um, it was basically whiteout conditions. It was a ground blizzard, in effect, from... uh, from effectively the Sisseton exit all the way down to uh, just north of Watertown, and it was uh, kind of edge of the seat, uh, edge of the seat driving. Oh, it sounds like you had quite the experience then. Yes, absolutely, a great experience all the way around. But I wouldn't mind not doing a drive like that again for quite a few years. It's always funny to me that usually your stories about traveling or whatever almost always include whatever meal you had. Well. That's what matters, Delaney. You're, you're not old enough yet to get this. But as you age, the pleasures in life start to get fewer and farther between. And a tasty meal becomes one of the major highlights of any day. Pretty soon you're going to start telling us about all your ailments on the podcast. Oh, do I not do that already? Uh... I'll, st- I'll step up my game. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Once I start getting bunions, then, then you'll great. really start to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, lucky us. Yeah, uh, you're welcome, listeners. It's what we do. We aim to provide excellence. Yes, we aim to provide excellence, and also we aim to provide agricultural news, Mike. And I would like oh, to Oh, I guess we can do some of that. <laughs> well, also, actually, before we get to that, I guess it's Valentine's Day, so we should tell our listeners happy Valentine's Day, and they should definitely go out and enjoy a good steak or lobster or shrimp or something really fantastic to yeah. eat tonight. And listeners, and I suppose I'm talking mainly to our gentlemen listeners, uh, it's Valentine's Day, dude. Get out there, call the florist, get some plans made. So by the time uh, you get home from work and you see the, the missus or the, the girlfriend or the spouse, whatever, you know, you're allowed in the house. Yes, very good point. Very good point. I've gotten flowers and chocolate today, so I'm quite content. Oh, good for you. I had a, uh, an off-brand nutty bar. That's been the the highlight of my Valentine's Day so far. Well, fantastic, Mike. But let's get into some... What news is jumping out Yeah. Well, it's not only Valentine's Day, Mike, but it is also the official start of the Phase 1 trade deal with China, as you mentioned yesterday on the podcast. And... 
We've already seen some action, I guess, if you could call it that. There's about 1.6 million metric tons of U.S. soybeans heading across and about 25 different ships crossing the Pacific Ocean on the way to China, according to some industry sources and USDA data. Oh, well, good. That's good news. Yes. So the only concern with this news, of course, is that a lot of the ports are being affected right now in China because of the coronavirus. So that's the one outlier. We really don't know if these cargo ships will be received at the ports, if they'll be redirected to other cities and or countries. So that's kind of one of the, the big outlier. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. We talked, you know, of course, we had the USDA WASI report earlier this week. And as Ted and I have discussed this week with a lot of our farmers up in South Dakota, we didn't see the USDA make a lot of adjustments to account for phase one of this China trade deal. We did see soybean exports that kicked up about 50 million bushels, and that was about the extent of it. So there's talk that maybe the USDA doesn't even think this trade deal is the real thing. But we did get some news out of Brazil earlier today from their veg oil uh, industry association. I forget the name of that. Oh, Abio, Abio came out and they said they expect to see Brazilian soy exports drop about 2% as China moves purchases back to the U S. So hopefully this is an indication that, yeah, China is going to step up to the plate and they are going to start buying soybeans in greater numbers. Well, that's interesting you say that too, Mike, because we also saw the USDA release some preliminary numbers today ahead of their annual Ag Outlook Forum, which is generally the time of year when they release their projections for what they think farmers will plant this spring. However, for whatever reason, I'm not speculating whether it was because of the U.S.-China trade agreement starting today or not, they released those numbers early today instead. And so USDA came out and said they think we're going to see about 94.5 million acres of corn with a trend line yield of 178.5 bushels per acre. Soybeans, they're anticipating we plant only 84 million acres with a trend line yield of about 50.5 bushels per acre. And finally, looking at the wheat acres, those ones are expected to drop just slightly here in 2020 with about 45 million acres of wheat planted. But interesting that they released that information so early this year as compared to other years. That is interesting. I I wonder what their mindset is. I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's some speculation that perhaps it's not a coincidence it was released today. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, well, yeah, who knows? And it could just be somebody hit the wrong button on the computer and hit send when they meant to uh, to not do so. Who knows? Well, you know, it's interesting, Delaney, as we talk about acreage, of course, those acreage discussions are getting underway in earnest, no doubt spurred in a large part by the release of that information from USDA. But in our conversations with growers in, in South and North Dakota, of course, you know, a little bit of an outlier situation this last year, their soils are completely saturated. Um, a lot of the folks we spoke with over this past week believe that we are going to see another 20 million acres of prevent plants based wow. on the fact that it is so much more wet this year at this time in the season than it was at this time last year. Now, mm. Ted and I were talking about it. It's way too early to make that call in our mind. We could see, uh, you know, you get a couple 70-degree days and some wind. We can dry soils down pretty effectively. But if things do stay wet, there could be some wild cards when it comes to planted acreage this year. Well, that's really interesting that folks up there already think that they're going to have 
again, a big number of prevent plant acres. Yeah, they're, they're just not super excited. When they look at, I was talking to a guy who was helping his son in Watertown refinish a basement, and uh, they had to dig down under the basement. He said, we went a foot under the basement and hit water. And ordinarily, even in a town like, with a name like Watertown, uh, you got to go a bit deeper than that before you start to see the water table. But that's just how saturated their soils are. So not a whole lot of optimism when no. we're up there in, uh, in South Dakota and North Dakota. All right. Well, that's something uh, definitely to keep an eye on. It's crazy to think, too, that we're not really that far away from planting season. Exactly. I mean, it is, for all intents and purposes, just around the corner. And, Delaney, you know what else is just around the corner? What, Mike? Tell me. Refiners asking for exemptions Mm. from purchasing their renewable fuel credits. We've been talking about this, uh, well, really in earnest for about the last three weeks ever since that appeals court ruling came out and said EPA has to be more transparent. It was reported earlier today by Reuters that uh, lawyers and bureaucrats from the EPA are meeting with the White House, and they're trying to put a plan in place as to how best to move forward, given the, uh, the court's ruling. How are they going to continue to implement small refinery exemptions uh, after this court's ruling? And, you know, that's not great news, I think, for those of us in agriculture. We'd much rather them just stop issuing so gosh darn many of these exemptions. But it sounds as though the EPA is determined to, uh, it looks like, keep the pace up with the recent years. All right, those darn refinery waivers. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be in the news yet again. Yes, they will indeed. Mike, I just have one other piece of news. It's, mm, I guess we could call it more fun or lighthearted on this Friday version of the podcast. Do you have anything else more serious we should get to first? Um, just, just a quick note. You know, we talked about coronavirus quite a bit. It is going to continue being the headlines. And uh, China's 14-day self-quarantine in the capital of Beijing uh, basically the, the Chinese government came out and said, look, if you're traveling back to Beijing after visiting family or traveling into other cities for the Lunar New Year holiday, don't. Don't come back into the city. Um, that is over. Uh, that 14 days has ended. Those folks are starting to trickle back into Beijing. We're starting to see the Chinese economy uh, pick up a little bit more as businesses return to more normal work schedules. So I just want our listeners to be aware we are going to have lots of discussion about Chinese demand over the next three weeks as now we can kind of get a real feel for what the impact of coronavirus is on the Chinese economy. Absolutely. I was reading some stuff about that today, too. Possible that we could see this kind of tip us into an economic recession. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that is always a concern as well. Delaney, that is not very Fry-ish news I know. right okay. there. I thought okay. you were going to have something on. uplifting for I'm it. moving on. It's not really uplifting. I just think it's really interesting, I should say. But uh, looking at okay. plant-based burgers, such as the Impossible Burger, we saw Yale put together a survey conducted on their climate change communication program. And they interviewed various Americans and found that, on average, we really only see about 4% of the American population are actually vegan and or vegetarian. So that's a really small number of the population. However, mm-hmm. about They're just very loud on Twitter. Exactly. However, about 55% of those people surveyed said that they are willing to eat plant-based alternatives. And about 54% said they're willing to eat less red meat 
in hopes of quote unquote helping the environment. But Mike, this is the part that I find interesting. Only about about sixty percent of those surveyed say that plant based foods cost too much, and forty four percent said they do not like the taste of them whatsoever. Well, count me in that forty four percent. The only plant based foods I like are foods that are plants. I enjoy a good salad every now and again, especially if you throw some steak or some shrimp on it. And uh, I love broccoli, but I don't want you to mush my broccoli into a patty and call it a burger. Exactly. So it seems so, like well, uh, that is interesting. Yeah, the the trend is really not going to shift. I would say anytime quickly at no animal agriculture or no animal protein. Right. Yeah, we're a very long way from that. Even if that's what the uh, that four percent of vegan activists really want to see happen. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, let's take a look at the markets before we get to the conversation with Mr. Rennie Tank. Let's do it. Well, folks, we've got red on the screen in the grains today. We continue to look at option expiration for that March contract here at the end of this next week. We've got growers hauling corn into the cities. They're getting those cash sales made, and that is putting some pressure on the corn markets. As we look at the March corn contract, it was down one and three quarter cents at 377 and three quarters. The May down two and three quarters, closed at 382 even. Soybeans also lower on the day, with the March contract dropping two and a half cents at 893 and three quarters. The May down two and three quarters to close at 903 and a quarter. Wheat, same story, different verse. Down on the day, the March contract dropped one and a half cents at 542 and three quarters. The May down three and a quarter to finish at 541 and a half. Now, there was some upside movement in livestock today, particularly cattle. Both fats and feeders were roaring to the upside in today's trade. The April live cattle contract climbed $1.80 at one twenty thirty two fifty. The June up $1.3750 to close at one twelve even. In feeder cattle, that March contract up $2.20, closing at one thirty eight fifty two half. The April up $2.42.5 to finish at one forty one thirty seven fifty. And in lean hogs, up not as drastically as cattle. April lean hogs up 22.5 cents at 64.30. The May up 15 cents to close at $73 on the button. Over in the dairy market, February class three milk down two cents at 16.99. The March down 12, wrapping up the day at $17 even. Without further further ado, let's kick it over to my conversation with Mr. Rennie Tank from last night's uh, customer meeting in Sioux Falls, or excuse me, in South Dakota. All right, folks. Well, I'm excited to represent Friday here. It's a Friday on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Ted Seifert and I just had a chance to sit down with Mr. Rennie Tank, who is the Golden Harvest dealer for Eastern South Dakota. We were up just outside of Sisseton, South Dakota, talking to growers about the conditions they faced last year and the challenge they faced. And right now I'm joined by Rennie Tank. Rennie, bring us up to speed. Last year was a tough year. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's just just as bad. I don't see it being any different. Our water table's bad, plenty of snow cover, ground's all sealed up, and she's cold. And... I mean, she is cold, right? That's the story. I mean, it is it is bone-chillingly cold right here. It's negative four on our way up from Sioux Falls earlier today. When you look out at this year, when you look out at 2020, and you look out at a water table that is significantly higher than it was at this point last year, you see that we've got NOAA predicting above average rainfall. How do you, as a seed sales guy, how do you handle this? I mean, what thoughts are going through your mind right now when you're thinking, 
I got a bunch of growers who are going to face some challenges this year. Well, I'm just afraid it's going to get late and we'll be cutting maturities again. And um, yeah, it's going to be cold soils and more problems. How did last year work out? Because you guys, this isn't your first rodeo with this kind of scenario. You guys last year faced this exact scenario. How did it work out? I mean, for last year, for your up here in this part of the world, I didn't see a lot of standing corn, Renny. How did you guys end up managing through last year's challenges? I think we were just fortunate, lucky. Um, we were right on the edge of the corn of black layering, and it did. It got really late. It was an ugly harvest. Um, guys pounded through it. But uh, it's not all out, by no means. Seriously, you guys are still dealing with guys who have corn stand in the field. Oh, yeah. <sighs> How do you make decisions about what to plant in 2020 if you still got 2019 corn standing out there in the field? What do you do? Well, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be muddy, muddy. You know, I mean, if they can get the corn out with the, there's too much snow now and and then, then it's going to come the mud, and it's going to be tough. Not a pretty picture. And it's going to get late, you know, and then try to do tillage on this corn stalks that aren't deteriorated at all. And So what do you do, Rennie? Okay, so you're, and just for our listeners who know, maybe we, we got a lot of South Dakota listeners. You cover the eastern part of the state. And for Golden Harvest in particular, when you're looking out at this year, we got stocks standing that haven't deteriorated. We've got a scenario where the water table is higher than average. We've got a scenario where Noah is predicting wet, wet, wet forecasts having, heading into planting season. What's your advice to growers? How do they know that they're going to have the seed selection available for what they need to do when it comes time to get actually something put in the ground? Well, like I said, we've had plenty of these cold springs and we're learning which seeds, which hybrids have the best cold germination and handle it better. And and like I said, we're having to cut maturity quite a bit. Shorter so what, what does maturity cutting look like up here? I mean, you guys are going from 110 day to a 93 day. What, what are you guys feeling? No, we're pretty much like a 97 day and we're probably going to cut down to 87. We'll okay. Kind of an average. Gotcha. So, I mean, still, still a substantial cut. When you guys see a cut like that, what's your benchmark? What should growers anticipate for yield lossage just based on fewer growing degree days? Well, you know, the whole growing season makes a big, big issue on that too. But, you know, 20 bushel. Ugh. That's real money, Randy. I mean, even though corn prices aren't fantastic, 20 bushel, I mean, that counts. And then, you know, the later it gets, the worse it's going to get too. All right, Randy. Well, you're not painting a super exciting picture here as we look out to the, the future of 2020. When when you think, what are the upsides? I mean, we have seen very strong bases in your part of the state. We have seen a lot of folks who are hungry for quality corn willing to write the check to get it. Is that something you think is going to continue? Oh, I think so. You know, don't have a lot of opinion on that. It's just one of those things we're going to have to wait to see. Yeah. If they're interested, they'll be interested. They'll write the check. If they're not, they're not. And that's the way that goes. Yep. All right, Rennie. Let's talk a little bit about your history. Tank Seeds. How long has Tank Seeds been around when it comes to being a Golden Harvest guy here in eastern South Dakota? I've sold Golden Harvest Seeds for 26 years. 
What got you into it? Of all the seed brands that are out there, what drew you to Golden Harvest above any of the others? I just, one bag of corn got me started and I just uh, slipped it in the planter beside something else and kind of lost what track it was and then the combine picked it right out and then I had to do some homework and figure out what it was. So you found it. You saw the yield advantage right off the bat that very first year. Absolutely. Your growers up here, Northeast North Dakota, they continue to see that kind of yield advantage, Rennie? Absolutely. Let's sell some seed, brother. What are you saying? Go <laughs> golden harvest. All golden harvest. Rennie, when you look out, 2020 is going to be another challenging year. I mean, all indications are that's the way things are shaping up. For your growers who are struggling, they had a lot of prevent plant this last year. I know a lot of your growers were in particular in that corridor where we saw exceedingly high rains uh, through that, that spring planting season. How do you deal with it? How, how do you help them make the decision to pull the trigger on, on quality corn seed? Well, you know, we just keep cutting maturity and figure out which hybrids and, and the end, you know, if we end up getting too late and got to go to beans or whatever. Did you have a lot of guys this last year have to go to beans? Well, it, you know, about the time, about the time that was going to switch over to it, that's when the rains came again. And then, then it just ended up going to preventive plant. It got too late. We kind of got rains every three, four days and put us out of the bean window too. Jeez. Last year was just one thing after another. You guys really couldn't catch a break up here. Yeah. But this year, it's 2020, it's a new year, new opportunity, or any things are going to be different. If we've got listeners in South Dakota who are curious about trying a new brand of seed, and they're interested in working with a new company, not a new company, but a new-to-them company, on the distribution side, how can they get a hold of Tank Seeds? Um... That's your cue, Rennie. What's your phone number? You just tell us what your phone number is, and they're going to give you a call. 605-880-9879. Folks, Rennie Tank is incredibly shy, but he also knows what he's doing. If you've got questions about Golden Harvest, give Rennie a holler. He's a great guy. We appreciate the opportunity to come up here. Ted Seifer and I spoke to a bunch of his clients earlier this evening, and great crowd, a lot of interest. And Rennie, have you ever done one of these events like this before? Yes. How was turnout tonight? Um, tonight was the best ever. There we go, folks. People are pleased. Rennie's growing good stuff. Golden Harvest is good product. Check him out. Tank Seeds, right up here in Britain, South Dakota. All right. Well, you know, great conversation with Rennie. He is a thinker and a doer, not much of a talker, as you could hear in that interview. He's uh, definitely getting things done up there in North Dakota. Or, excuse me. Geez, I'm all over the place. In South Dakota as uh, we get ready for this next planting season. The tank seeds up there at uh, Sisseton. All right. Well, oh, as we... He's at Brit. Jeez, Delaney, I tell you, I'm in a bad way today. No worries, Mike. You're not always like this. You're usually on your Game for Pass episodes of the Agnes Daily Podcast. And as we're heading into planting season, go ahead and download some of those past episodes that maybe you haven't had time to check out or check out any of our other podcasts on global ag network to have in your playlist queue during planting season this year you can check us out at globalagnetwork.com yes indeed all right well with that folks and with that delaney should we let the people go let's let them go